Is it not that the Republican Party are authoritarians? Is it that they're actually royalists? This is Beyond Politics. I'm Matt Robeson, your host with my co-host, former U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes, and we're delighted to welcome back Fred Wellman. You know him as one of the leaders of the Lincoln Project, now off doing his own thing. You're doing an outstanding substack. Everyone's got a substack these days. It's like a social yeah, security number. I know. Yours is, is really good. It's really good. It's called <laughs> On Democracy, and you've got an associated podcast. We love the podcast game. You're on YouTube. You're wherever you can get your podcast. Everywhere, and, like a virus. What really caught our eye, and the reason we wanted to have you back for a while, but the Appreciate specific it. reason we wanted to have you back is you wrote a really interesting article called, we had a whole revolution about this. People can Google it. The Substack is on democracy, Fred Wellman. And the subtitle is, there is no American royalty and we need to make sure it stays this way. And it sets up this fascinating premise that there's been all this talk recently about oh, there's an authoritarian impulse on the right. There's an authoritarian impulse in the MAGA movement and in the Republican Party, and they all kowtow to Viktor Orban and Vladimir Putin and these strongman figures who actually exhibit a lot of SDE and that kind of thing. <laughs> but really what you're saying is it's a little different. We need to think about it a little differently. What, what kind of got you onto this line of thinking? It's the it, there, if you if it, the article I talk about three of these main things. One, the Trump what got me rolling was the Trump indictment, right? Where the argument isn't that he didn't commit crimes. If you look at very carefully what the Republicans are saying, what the Princelings are saying, the Dukes and all like Jim Jordan is, they're saying nobody's saying that wasn't a crime. They're saying they're just such minor crimes. He should be above that. It got me thinking very much like I'm a bit of a history. I'm a history buff. I'm very fortunate to have a family that goes way, way back. I mentioned the article that I'm actually using the book right here, that I have ancestor direct line, father who father of lines who served in the Revolutionary War. And he was a part of the Mansfield militia. We're actually OG New Englanders. My my Thomas Wellman came to the United States and the colonies in 1640. And so our Revolutionary War heroes marched to the Lexington Alarm. And it was a whole ass revolution about the fact that the king wanted to do whatever he wanted. And so it just got me thinking more and more that what we're hearing more and more is that they feel like they should be above the law, that folks like Donald Trump, folks like Clarence Thomas now, folks like Ron DeSantis, who simply just dictate. And there's three cases you have Trump committing crimes and not nobody thinks you should be held accountable for him. you got Clarence Thomas basically saying that ethics rules apply to the little people. He's above all that because his friend, his long friend who became a friend after he became a Supreme Court justice, they're friends. They're just friends. It's none of our it's none of our little people's business to worry about what he's doing. And then, of course, Ron DeSantis, who uses his parliament much like a king would, right? Like in the old days, where he just gives them laws and they give them the example. There's a law right now in the books that a the governor, a state official, can't run for federal office. No worries. Parliament's just going to change that for him. <laughs> it just got me thinking more and more. It's not even authoritarian, it's just literally royalist. And these people who call themselves patriots. That's all about, oh, we're a patriot. I'm a patriot. 1776. Yeah, yeah. We actually fought a whole ass war to stop the things that you want, which is the idea that anyone is above the law. The idea that a royal figure can just simply decree what he wants and his loyal little lapdogs will do the thing for him. The idea that only the rules apply to the little people. And those three cases all coming in one week just said, I just, which is how I write my substack. It's like, oh, I have an idea. And I just blurted out. I actually wrote that on an airplane. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> which is rare I, for I wrote me, my yeah. last Newsweek article <laughs> at my daughter's basketball practice because there you go. my editor yeah. was like, Matt, where's your article? And I'm like, 
Yeah. I'm going, I'm going. You're a real ass writer when you can do that. I feel like I'm actually Thank a real you. ass writer. I feel that way. I feel that way. <laughs> I just, I want to let Paul leap in here, but could we yes. just put in the parking lot since we're on the Royalist theme and this just occurred to me since you invoked mm-hmm. the name of Ron DeSantis, who's ah, yes. like incompetent Voldemort. If Donald Trump is Voldemort, <laughs> Ron is like Lucius Malfoy? He's <laughs> like the bumbling oh, oh. wannabe. It's, there's a delicious irony in the, on the Royal theme having to do with how Ron DeSantis is such a wannabe authoritarian and he can't right. quite make it happen. And there's a royal tie-in. Just let's circle back to that, but go ahead. Okay. Paul. Ron DeSantis is worm tail. <laughs> oh, that's it. Nice. That's it. Yeah, that's He's it. No, tail. it's exactly, you know, yeah. Boom. And I, don't admit that. Boom. I know that makes Casey and it makes Christina Pusha. That's the, yeah, that's the thing I can't, those folks who is little dukedoms, there is little print, the princess behind the throne. It, yeah, it's truly, and he just, he wants to be such a big deal. Did you see the flooding today? I just tweeted about an hour ago that there's video of the Fort Lauderdale airports flooded and where's Ron? King Ron, the Prince Ron's off on his book tour, which by the way, is flailing because nobody gives a shit what he says. <laughs> it's just... Honestly, it's exhausting. I'd grown really used to the idea of just in terms of name calling, which I love because now I'm not in Congress and I, I'm on a a podcast. I can be absurd and crazy and say, say whatever the hell I want and calling Republicans fascists. I've been talking about them as authoritarians. I've been comparing them to Putin. There's all that. Now, thinking of them, however, as royalists is really a really different twist. In a way, it softens the blow, but mm-hmm. it also makes it more accessible to yeah. people who might feel like, I don't want to call people fascist authoritarians, but if you say, think of them as royalists, we're out for another American Revolution, January 6th bullshit on its head to say, no, you got to go back to the original revolution when we fought the royalists who were imposing their will without any rules and without our having a real say in it. So it's both softer, but maybe smarter. Thank you. I think that's it. It ties. I felt it tied to the American experience. Look, we we don't. We really haven't truly experienced fascism, right? We didn't experience Germany. We weren't experienced with Germany, Italy, even Japan. We we haven't had those. And we do examples of Putin and, of course, Chile and other. There's they've experienced these, but America's never really had a dictator. The last time we did was King George, right? The royal is the idea that this distant ruler who was unanswerable to our needs, though demanding our money, demanding our taxes, you know, demanding our, our fealty, and didn't really answer to us. We weren't represented. How many, how, I live in Missouri. How is that the, not the Missouri experience? I live in Missouri. My my king my king doesn't give a shit what I at my how I live. The Missouri Republicans don't give a damn how we live. They don't answer to us. Forty percent of the Republican legislature here ran unopposed. Uh, and, and no one blinks an eye about that because we can't rally enough Democrats to, to get out there and vote for them. How is that not a royalist and a, and a lapdog parliament? And so our last experience in America of a ruthless dictator of any kind was King George III. And again, we had a whole ass revolution about this. I say that so often. I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't say it in my Substack article, which is usually what I said. We had a whole ass revolution about this, and I know how it went. And in the end, we have demanded and we've built a system of government that the government re- is responsible to us. The government is has our best interest. My favorite thing these nutters do, and you'll appreciate this, Paul, is that every time I say it, because my podcast is called On Democracy, and love it. Every, about every three weeks, I'll get a comment on YouTube saying, you're a fucking idiot, man. We're a constitutional republic. <laughs> That's not a democracy. Oh, fucking Christ, you guys are stupid. <laughs> it's still a democracy. But 
Okay, we're, I'll accept that. We're a constitutional republic, which means that we elect representatives who will serve our needs and interests as Americans. They're not doing that. And in most of these red states and in the Republican Congress right now, they're not answering to us. They ran saying they were going to fix the economy, all these. They're not. They're just investigating things. They're trying to stop. They're trying to stop the investigation of Donald Trump. They're actually inserting themselves in a criminal prosecution at the state level, which goes against the Constitution. And they call themselves patriots. So to me, it's just a natural fit. The American experience is that we had a king who and a parliament that didn't answer the needs of the people. And we had a revolution because we felt we were being, we had been abandoned and our needs were not being met by the people who claimed power over us. And I can't, I, isn't that exactly what experience, especially if you live in a red state? I think my perspective is, it comes from that. Now that I live in Missouri, I got away with murder. I was living in Virginia for a long time, right? I live in Missouri. Be careful. Uh, my voice people doesn't People might matter. think that you mean that literally because we're talking <laughs> about being above the law. Yeah. You, you did <laughs> yeah. not literally with murder. Yeah, no, I'll be well, bad. I, again, it's, I got the threats, but it, it is incredibly frustrating here to see how they simply don't answer to anyone. They use their power for ruthless means. Example here. That's what I think is the benefit of the reframing around royalty and this sense of being above everyone. It's so yep. perfectly captured in the image that's somewhat famous now that you included in your Substack article of Clarence Thomas sitting and couldn't be more perfect. It almost looks like a perverse Last Supper. Uh, it's yeah. him sitting, and I'm going to put this right in the video. If you're listening yeah. to the audio version of the pod, check this out. I will, I will put this right in there. It is. It does look like a painting. and it's Clarence It is a painting. No, that's on, actual painting. That's an actual in, painting? That's a painting hanging in Harlan Crow's at his little lodge, his not his giant lodge. That's a painting. Oh, it looks like a photograph. What's so obnoxious. You can't make it. this shit up so obnoxious about it is it's Clarence Thomas sitting on his throne and mm. everyone giving him their rapt attention right. while what looks like a Native American leader is yeah. holding his arms aloft in what appears to yeah. be a benediction. There's this yeah. sort of like invoking a higher power divine right of kings vibe to it. Exactly. But, but the way it exactly. really connects. And then you find world. out who those people are, who those princelings are. Right. Courtiers are, you know. What really wait, drives wait, wait, me wait, nuts wait. about it is that it's not. It's the head of the Federalist Society. It's what the, I think that's is, the head. Yeah. And what I think is what maybe doesn't connect when you say authoritarian is that it, it implies that there is a power that is trying to dictate the minutia of your life. You think 1984, right. you think, right. you think of the German experience. But what this is much more about is being above everything, is being yes. not responsive. And that makes me think of the expulsions of the legislators in Tennessee right. last exactly. week. Because yes. you have a situation where hundreds of thousands of people are crying out quite literally after the death of children. Petitioning their shooting, government is a term I'd like to use. Petitioning their government, saying, mm -hmm. please do something. Please do something. You're supposed to represent us. And the Republican leadership in the legislature is so obnoxious. They're so non-responsive. They're so more concerned about the rights of guns than of humans yeah. that they say, we cannot abide you speaking truth to us. We are going to expel you. We're going to send you away from our presence. You can't even deign to talk to us. And then they right. speak down to them. They speak down to these black men as if they were children because they're mm -hmm. so puffed up on their Ku Klux Klan infused heritage. Uppity that, black, yep. uppity blacks. Uppity exactly. black. I mean, and that one black. speech, that speech, the guy that called him out, 
he wanted to Andrew say Andrew Farmer. Let's say his yeah, name. Farmer. Andrew yeah. Farmer. He wanted to say, you could see it on his lips. He wanted to say, boy. He wanted to. <laughs> you he know wanted he attention. Wanted to. You could almost see his lips forming the word, the disdain and disgust he had for these young men for using their voices to petition their government. My God, how do you not see it? <laughs> we never we literally, the right to petition your government is like one of the first things we fought for. And no, no, no you got to do it our way. Violence. Never yeah, No, never, and there wasn't. Violence. It, it, but, civil disobedience but, is not insurrection. We had, but no, if there were a way, if there were right. a way in a nonviolent way to say, Will Smith style slap Mr. Farmer, <laughs> I'd be okay with that. I would not be against Representative Pearson stepping up to him and just a little, get my name out of your mouth. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. I think they did bitch slap him. Let's be honest. The fact that he got, I just posted the picture before he went on the air of him being re-sworn in. All the GOP did was show exactly who they are. And what I love about where we are in America today, you you can bemoan social media and all this stuff all you want. I don't. Everybody sees it. You know, it would have been a little, would have committed a kerfuffle in Tennessee 10 years ago, 20 years ago, is now a national thing. The Tennessee GOP, Mr. Farmer, and his dripping, seething rage and racism is the face of the Republican Party to a lot of people right now. How do I know? I was just in Virginia visiting my new little granddaughter, which is awesome. And I was having dinner with my two Gen Z, my youngest kids are Gen Zers. And let me tell you, they saw it. They heard it. They got the message. And so they know exactly how the Republican Party feels about their generation. They know exactly how the Republican Party feels about their needs with which they petitioned their government, which was their safety in their schools. A generation that's grown up exclusively on gun violence in schools and gun drills, something you and I never experienced, neither the three of us, no matter how our age, none of the three of us experienced gun drills, active shooter drills on school. We did tornadoes here in Missouri because it's Missouri. Hell, I'm old enough, y'all. Paul is too, I bet. I'm old enough to remember doing nuclear bomb drills. Did you do those, Paul? Yeah, (laughs) I did those. But on your desk, yeah, put your knees. We did those. I'm old enough in the 70s. I grew up in the early 70s. I remember those even. And certainly not active shooter drills. And so this generation is petitioning their government desperately for help. And they saw loud and heard loud and clear, you're not worthy. And again, that's the royalty, isn't it? it? You, we do not need to hear from you. We know what's best for you. More guns. We need and more Paul, guns. Can I ask you, can I ask a question over to Paul? Because I think this is an yeah. intriguing idea and I have a perception of this, but I was merely a staffer. Paul, you were a member of Congress Nearly. and you, you're inside the rooms with this. It was always my perception that when politicians get corrupt, people say, that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. No, wrong. The road to hell is paved with a sense of entitlement. It's the sense of, Mm -hmm. I don't need to follow this rule. It doesn't apply to me. And you start by giving yourself small permissions to say, I don't really need to follow this rule because I work so hard. I don't need to, I don't need to worry about the gift ban because I've really earned this. What's the harm? I can have an extramarital affair. I can go hiking the Appalachian Trail because I'm Mark (laughs) Sanford. I work hard as the governor of South Carolina. That was always my perception. You 
Paul, we're a very upstanding citizen. You were you really cared about following the rules as a member of Congress. Jeez, but I, you had a lot a, of colleagues. God, what a what a what a dork I was. I missed all the <laughs> and, and crime. So when I you weren't getting wedgies, how dare when you weren't yeah. getting wedgies, oh, like when man. Bernie Sanders wasn't coming up to you and going <laughs> stuffing your locker. Code. I heard it was tough, man. <laughs> What's your perception like when politicians go bad, when they start to get corrupt? And start to think that they're above all this. Is that what happens? Is they start to give themselves permission to make small or like how does it happen? Your question reminds me of Charlie Rangel, the New York congressman, the aged, when I got there, aged New York congressman with the best voice in Congress. Charlie Rangel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great voice. Mr. Speaker. Right. By Mr. the way, Mr. just for our video viewers, the American flag that is up behind me on my wall was given to me by Charlie Rangel. Uh, Go on. Charlie Rangel supported me very early on. Maybe he knew I was from New York originally and he supported me. And I was a politician. I loved Charlie Rangel. I just, I'd like to hear him talk. I like that, that Mr. Speaker. And he wielded his New York influence with deftness until yeah. it came out that he was playing very fast and loose with real estate and money and mortgages and this and that. Cars. And then I faced a question as a as straight arrow as I was, and I was and am a straight arrow. I'm sorry, I just am. I ended up call as I think one of the first members of Congress calling on Charlie to resign. Yeah. Uh, because I I believed all this stuff. Okay. I believed in the Constitution. I believed in the criminal code. I believed in a code. I was a lawyer. I believed in a code of ethics. I dealt with, I'd spent my life be, being ethical. And I thought that being a representative for the, in the United States Congress carried with it the obligation of, yep. of ethics and honesty and integrity. I want to go back to the Trump arraignment, the Trump charges. You said sure. something very interesting, both in your commentary, and I think there's a flavor of this in your Substack article. Again, I can't pitch this enough. It's called On Democracy. It's worth a read. You're talking you. about the charges against Trump. And yep. you're saying that there is this defense of Trump going on Fox News, which to me yep. sounds bass backwards, I got to <laughs> say, which is, yep. we shouldn't, we, this doesn't rise to the level that right. he should be indicted for this. This is too small a crime for him. And to me, that is perverse and backwards. It's the very fact that it is a kind of pedestrian bread and butter, this is a garden yep. variety prosecution, that means we should prosecute it. Because what you're arguing, if you're Fox News, is literally, here is someone who should be above the law. Here is yep. someone who, because he was the president, the rules that apply to the rest of us should not apply to him. Exactly. If, is that not the quintessence of saying he is royalty? He's above our rules. And I tell you, I, I have a good friend who's a professor here at the University of Missouri, St. Louis, and sociology. And he taught me one day over coffee about, I think he called it a penetration drill. And a penetration drill is where when you have a norm, you have a norm, right? There's a line, right? Congressman should take bribes. And a penetration is when that norm is broken, right? So let's use the Hatch Act. Uh, Hatch Act says I can't 
advertise political things on as a federal official. Well, we know how like the when had, Donald Trump did the convention for my, the like that convention for the White House, my Goya beans on the freaking Truman's desk. <laughs> okay, Carol, Kellyanne Conway opening her fucking mouth. <laughs> and sorry, bleep. Oh no, we're Al Fresco here. Lovely, we're, we're I'm good. Then, Kellyanne Conway, Kellyanne Conway, fucking existing. Um, and so when you have a so the pe- the norms were penetrated, right? So this became okay, right? Using the White House for gain, using the White House for fun. The thing in sociology they've learned is if you do not reset that penetration back to the norm, this is the now the norm. Okay. And so the challenge we had, and this is something I, ta- I said quite a bit two years ago when Mr. Biden first took office, was you have to be ruthlessly enforcing the laws. We have to tighten the Hatch Act and put actual fucking teeth in it. We have to tighten the rules around ethics. We have to tighten the rules around criminal. So if we don't reinforce and realign the norms, this is the new norm. And that was always my frustration with so many of this new administration saying, look, norms and traditions, we don't want to prosecute. We don't want DOJ to go down that rabbit hole. We don't want to, we don't want to fuck with the Hatch Act because, you know, we're better than that. We're going to follow the rules now. But the problem is everyone associated with the Republican Party and a Trump administration now knows, shit, I can do whatever I want. That they're, When they're back in power, the idea there's not going to be another Trump is delusion beyond measure. And so that's why that's so important. This prosecution is important. Those little crimes must be prosecuted and big crimes because we know he did those too. And I had a great guest on my podcast. You'll see this week, a guy named Dennis Aftergood. He's a former federal prosecutor from San Francisco. Just a, this, a, a great show if you want to talk. We just talked about the judiciary and the laws, and I hope you'll watch it on Democracy on, 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 on YouTube. And in this discussion about how we do have to prosecute these laws, and Jack Smith's going to come in with it looks like three cases now, the way things are going, because now we have wire fraud being tossed around. That we have to. So this is my fear always: is we're ready. To, we're so we're ready to just accept this new norm. That's going to be the new norm, and then the rules are off. And so urge our leaders who are in power now in Congress to do the damn right thing and tighten the rules. And this is why I'm angry. I spent a lot of my time angry at Mr. Garland. I don't think Mr. Garland understands that we can't just go back to the old federal society. Oh, don't worry. We're all going to respect the rules from now on. We're not because a lot of people learn the rules don't fucking matter. And those are a royalist. The royalists learn they can get away with it. I'm a special government employee. I serve on the National Council on the Arts. We're the board board of directors for the National Endowment for the Arts. We have to sign off. We have to sign off on every penny of taxpayer money that the agency gives out to not-for-profit arts organization. We are instructed on the Hatch Act and ethics just about every time we meet. The lawyers from the agency sit us down and go through the entire conflict of interest, the ethical code, the Hatch Act. They drill it into us. And so I'm a government employee now four times a year when I go to Washington for these meetings, and we are infused with the Hatch Act and conflicts of interest. So if it applies to me, if it applies to us, why doesn't it apply to the president? And, and or right, Supreme and Court this, justice, or, or Supreme Court Supreme justice. Court, I just don't. I didn't. The highest judicial agency in our country. I never literally the, understood the, how Trump. None of it makes sense. In the White well, House, well, you hear it over and over The Hatch Act could get away with it time after time, and nobody said anything. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. 
Right. Here's a fun one. Why the fuck did we have uh, in, uh, uh, investigations? That's the punchline of the whole thing. When we had Congress for fucking two years and we still hold the Senate, not one committee has launched an investigation of the destruction of the Hatch Act by the former administration because they just, everybody just wants to move on. We can't move the fuck on, right? There's no moving on from breaking the law. And this is my constant frustration. Actually, which leads to today's post or last night's post on my Substack because we got to advertise that, fpwellman.substack.com. <laughs> but last night I talked about the fact I got a bunch of shit the day the Tennessee three got kicked out or two of them got kicked out. I tweeted out. I'm going to tell you what I tweeted out. Where the fuck is Biden? Okay. Where the fuck is Biden is what I tweeted. We need help and we need help. And oh my God, did I get railed on by progressives and liberals? I can't believe you're blaming the, de there we go again. There's the ex Republican blaming the Democrats. I'm not blaming the Democrats. I blame the fucking Republicans for breaking the law, for dis for shitting on our fucking Gen Z, for shitting on our rights and not caring what we think. But I also am going to hold our side accountable for not doing their goddamn jobs. And I, it's like Truman, like a Truman, Truman, we know him because of the Truman committee, he investigated right. the waste and abuse saved something like 322 billion in today's dollars. And what did he do? He was critical of the FDR administration. He was critical of the War Department for not doing the thing right. We have to hold our side accountable. And that's my frustration. We're not, for some reason, this administration, whom I support, will not do what needs to be done to ruthlessly enforce the law and norms and traditions. They, take, they love norms and traditions, but just having them for yourself doesn't change the opposition we face. You're, what you're doing is you're giving us the Lester Bangs speech from Almost Famous, and you're saying <laughs> that the best thing we can do for American democracy and for our own party, for the Democratic Party, is to be unmerciful and to yep. rigorously, vigorously and zealously defend those norms, guardrails against these. Right. And it occurs to me, and I want to be careful about this because <laughs> it it's a very sensitive topic, but the most outrageous – the most obnoxious thing that the Republican Party has been doing in recent years is their whole groomers attack ah, yes. on us, on Democrats. It's such an outrageous, scurrilous, horrible yeah. lie, and it's so backwards. And what's also deeply ironic about it is that, in a sense, isn't that what they're doing to all of America? Because their entire argument is, this is okay. It's just a little, it's just a little violation. He can take these classes. Why are we making such a big deal out of a violation of the archives of the National Records Act? Why are we making such a big deal out of falsification of your business records? Why are we making such a big deal out of Donald Trump's words? It's just words. What did he say in the 2016 debate against Hillary Clinton about his mm -hmm. grab them by the Access Hollywood tape? It's just locker room talk. It's just words. Yep. What are they doing? They're yeah. grooming us. That's what yeah. it's all about is progressive violations that go further and further that get us used to, oh, I guess this was okay. So maybe this is okay. Maybe right. the line is over here. Maybe we can go further than that. And before you know it, and I'm not just messing around with this, you end up with an insurrection where you actually have Res formerly responsible media figures and political leaders in America excusing it and saying, this is okay. And then you end up with how Donald Trump launched his presidential campaign with that insane rally in Waco, Texas, 
where he chose Waco, Texas, because he wanted to celebrate the deaths of four federal law enforcement officers there 28 years ago. He wanted to yep. celebrate the deaths of dozens of people, including 28 children in the raid in Waco, Texas. And he wanted to celebrate the insurrectionists who he had singing that absolutely horrible song, which concluded with a chant of USA, which right. is exactly what the crowd was chanting as they beat police officer Sidnick with a flagpole. And so yep. I know it's a really tough metaphor that I'm making here, and it's a tough topic, but that is ultimately, Fred, it seems to me what you're talking about here, which yeah. is they are trying to push the Overton window of what's acceptable bit by bit, and it starts by defending Donald Trump, defending Clarence Thomas, and defending Ron DeSantis from their serial violations of the law, which are increasingly severe. I love, I always go to New York Times PitchBot Twitter. Do you guys follow the New York Times PitchBot? If you don't follow it on Twitter, you need to follow the Twitter. Camber is in this real name, but if you just look up New York Times PitchBot. And the owner of that Twitter feed has the most brilliant way of, one, mocking the New York Times and their both sideism, but showing the problem. And I think the other day they did, from the left wearing RBG t-shirts to the right, having a billionaire pay for vacations for a Supreme Court justice, both sides have a problem with over-supporting Supreme Court justices. <laughs> and it is. It goes to what you're saying is they have moved that window so far. They've moved that line of norms to the point of being blurred so badly that the rules don't apply to any of them as long as because they can always both sides and say, look, and Tucker Carlson's the master of this, right? He's the ringleader of this fucking shit show. And but you see it again, it, it is the same thing we're saying. This is my frustration with the Florida legislature, right? Oh, we'll just change the law. Ron doesn't like it. We'll change the law. The lapdog legislature, how these fucking guys lit themselves. And then the evil that permeates it. And that evil manifests itself in really terrible ways. I don't know if you guys saw the the hearing for the transgender bathroom bill they're doing down there where a Republican conservative, I guess he's a Christian conservative, called himself, literally sold the witnesses that they were demons and imps parading themselves in front of them. He called constituents. He called fellow Floridians, fellow Americans, the people he swore a fucking oath to serve and protect in their oath. He looked at them dead in the eyes and because of their gender decisions because of their race and because of their decisions on their sexuality were demons and imps okay sent from satan i can't fucking negotiate with these people okay i can't work these people paul when you were in congress we argued about tax laws we argued about differences in economic systems of drip down economics versus direct all those things how do I negotiate? How do I respect? And how do I not want to get rid of someone who thinks the people they were sworn to serve and protect are demons, literally demons? And this is how far the right has gone down this dirty black hole of extremism. There's no turning back unless we fucking ruthlessly fight it. And that goes back to what I want. Where's the DOJ? Where's Biden? Don't we have a fucking civil rights division at the DOJ? Where the fuck are they? <laughs> You've got this entire political party and they're it's like their brains are being eaten by some worm some yeah. red rage worm that has eaten their brains and what comes out is this spew of stupid ass hatred calling right. people satan it's like saturday satan. night live except it's it is it's like it's unimaginable how how did they move 
Look, I always I always looked at Republicans as in the old days as benign corporatists, right? They would right. do anything to fall over their shoes to to get in bed with big money and corporate control. Right. I thought that was pretty bad. I thought that <laughs> was a real danger for America. How did they move from corporatists to royalists? Was it simply Trump? Was it social media? Was it, it wasn't enough to go for big money in corporations? They wanted the whole pickle. So they decided to go for the triple decker and just go the way. What the hell? Nobody's doing or it. Look, look at our billionaire class. Go ahead, Matt. Our billionaire uh, I, class. No, Let's go first. Elon Musk. I'm going to wrap on what I teased and put in the parking lot at the beginning of the show with the royalty tie-in. I think it's when we became this worshipful of these billionaires. Let's be honest the oligarch the modern oligarchs are the real dukes the real roy the couriers the court the royal court are the billionaires it's harlan crow there's this whole line of or right wing they love to bring out george soros he's fucking chump change compared to what these fucking people are doing on the right and so the courtiers are now the billionaires and the billionaires are dictating them what they want and that's exactly what we're seeing i think that's where the harlan let's circle back to harlan crow this man come on you want i don't believe for one fucking second he would be friends with a judge a black judge okay <laughs> if he was a supreme court justice just to blow smoke up my ass that this multi-billionaire from D dallas texas who, whose father created a racist sub division in the middle of the city that's how he's famous somehow buds with the black judge no he bought himself a supreme court justice and those now you're royal that's where it went wrong so they went from the corporatist the corporates corporations to these oligarchs and oligarch is nothing more than royalty right the oligarchs run russia the oligarchs ran mo I mean, look don't, look our own history the british east india company okay it's right there the history is in our history the history is in our british history my ass fa my family left we were puritans my my family i went to, i actually went to the city we're from in in england and it's where the puritan prison was that's where the wellmans come from yeah so we were puritans we left 1640 went to boston we've fallen from that way of life since then obviously but <laughs> quite a bit but that's why we left because of the persecution because of the fact that the courtiers were running england and the people meant nothing our freedom meant nothing and to see a party a great party at one time a party i was a member of for most of my adult my whole last adult life to circle to be this throwback to a time where they had ultimate power and we were just happy to get what we want, just like peasants. And look, I'm too old and too fucking grumpy. And I served my country too long to be a fucking peasant. Hey, I love how you just brought this full circle back to the roots, the Puritan roots, the Revolutionary War roots that we started the show with. And I yeah. promised, I teased this idea that there, there was some irony here so let me give it to you so paul you were just asking how did we go from the corporatist big business party to today's like earworm brainworm bleep show the fun part of this is ron desantis decided to pick a fight with the biggest corporation he could <laughs> because yeah. he decided walt disney corporation was too woke or gay or gay woke or whatever it is whatever it is something <laughs> He just wanted, like, unlike the advice that if you get sent to prison, kind of you pick a fight with the biggest guy whose ass you can kick. He picked a fight with the biggest guy whose ass he could not kick. And they kicked his ass. And so what yeah. happened was he tried to remove all their special tax breaks and status. And they said, no, we're not going to let you do that. And they invoked this very clever legal cause where basically they said, you're allowed to do this when the royal family ends. And so there's a delicious <laughs> ironic tie-in back to royalty here. His authoritarian royalist move was trumped. Yep. See what I did there? 
by an even more royalist yep. move. And the last heir of George the Third. On democracy, you know what we're going to do, Fred? We'll have to do like yeah. home and home. We'd be happy I would to love invade that. your pod sometime. Yeah, um, I love it. We have to flip over. Yeah, let's do that. And in the meantime, I hope people will check out your Substack and uh, we'll just continue yeah. the conversation. FP Wellman on Twitter, fpwellman.substack.com is the new Substack. It's doing really well. I can't believe I was doing it thrilling. It's free this month. We'll have a, we'll have to get some really cool stuff with our paid subscribers at the end of April. We're going to have friends like you guys on doing Zooms and some special chats we can do. I, one of my favorite things when I was at the Lincoln Project was running our community organizing stuff and having Facebook Lives and stuff. So I'm really excited about that. Of course, the podcast on Democracy is on, on every channel. I'm really excited about that. Got some incredible guests coming up. Kevin Cruz, the historian. I've got Tom Nichols coming up. On. I've got Annie Andrews, who just ran for Congress against Nancy Mace, is doing some really cool stuff next week. So really very fortunate time to be to be in the skin that I'm in. So I appreciate you guys awesome. for having me. Awesome. Yeah. Kevin Cruz, say hi to him, former I guest will. on our show. All right. Love it. With that, we will talk to you soon. Thanks, gentlemen.